Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49ers. What's up, faithful? El Sacco, Zane Nockby. 49ers web zone, no huddle podcast. We should probably call this the high ankle sprain podcast now because God knows everybody on the team's got one. So yeah, pretty frustrating. Um, I'm still kind of losing my mind. I still don't feel sane from what we've seen this season. But good thing we got going on today. We've been talking about a while um, to get a collaboration going with some of the other podcasts. And I'm pumped up today, Zane. We got one of our favorite podcasts that we like, one of the hosts from that show. Why don't you tell them who we got today? We have the host from the 4th and Gold podcast, Javier Vega. For those of us who know you personally, it's Javi. We endearingly call you that, man. Thank you so much for joining us, dude. This is uh, this has been a long time in the making, man. I'm really glad we can do this today. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me. This is um, something that I, you know, when I first started the podcast thing, I, you know, I looked up to this No Huddle podcast for a while, and I was like, you know, I could do this. Not 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 to diminish anything, but I was like, man, I want to get my takes out there too. And you guys were an inspiration for my podcast to get started. So, you know, big shout out to you guys as well. That's awesome. I appreciate, appreciate that, man. that, man. That's awesome. And we got to say co-host because we, we don't want to leave Matt Barr out of this either. So co-host. It's all right. Matt Matt will tell you that I do everything. So <laughs> you guys can just give me all the credit. It's all right. <laughs> Matt who? <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. So wanted to start. I mean, I know, listen, we're going to get into the Jimmy stuff because what's 2020 without a Garoppolo discussion, but want to start off something that's been big on Twitter this week and it's something I've been thinking a lot about too. And I'm just going back and forth and playing devil's advocate with it in my head. And that's the Forrest Buckner trade versus re-signing Eric Armstead and Jimmy Ward. And Buckner came out this week and kind of said there was an article about him and he talked about how he wished the Niners kind of met him in the middle and seemed like he was kind of hurt by the trade. Now we know he wanted a ton of money, so I guess it's easy to say that now. But when you really look at it, it appears that the Niners decided to let him go because they did think he was too expensive and brought back Armstead and Ward instead. And obviously they get Kinlaw too with the trade, but I'm kind of thinking in my head now, would they be better off long term if they had just signed Buckner and maybe started to various more at safety, use that extra money somewhere else. I'm curious where you guys are on this. Cause I know a lot of people are, I have definitely have their opinions on it. Javi, what, what do you think about all this? Um, I think, I, I think the Niners gave him an offer. And from what I've under, from what I understand and have spoken to a couple people, the Niners basically gave Defoe the Eric Armstead contract deal. Like that's what they gave him initially. That was the, the offer on the table, you know, the 48 and a half million dollar guarantee. Um, and it was something that I, you know, I had talked to a couple people on, on Twitter and, you know, and just in, in general, just in conversation, you know, I was kind of ranking DeForest Buckner with the other defensive tackles, you know, was he going to get that $60 million guaranteed mark? And at 48 for what Eric Armstead got, I, I was like, man, that's, that's kind of low. If, 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 if Defo was going to get that contract. So I can understand why he may have wanted a little bit more than that 48 and a half. Um, just, you know, messing around with the thought in my head today, I was like, does DeForest Buckner give the Niners an extra win this year? Probably not, you know, with considering all the injuries. Um, I'd, <laughs> in my head, like, I would have rather played Tavari, I would have rather had Tavarius Moore and DeForest Buckner on this defensive line. But then, the, you know, then it goes in the, the play of do the Niners end up with Grand Ayuk? Do they end extra pick in the fourth round because uh because from 13 to 14 do they end up taking worse there's just so many different avenues with it i think i'm okay with it short term it looks like the indianapolis Colts won this trade because javon kinnall is just a raw prospect so you're not going to see 
his full potential until the guys around him are there. And part of why I like Kinlaw so much is because I think I think everyone expected Nick Bosa to play this season. No one expected an ACL tear. You can never expect those type of things. So his development may have been, you know, stunted a little bit, but it's also pretty good reps now that he's getting these double teams and he's getting to learn on his own without having the assistance of an elite pass rusher next to him. That's probably only going to make him better going into the 2021 season, I think. Now you bring up an interesting point there with Nick Bosa being out and uh, everybody kind of had that same idea as well, that they would run it back and they would get Bosa out. And on top of that, D Ford going out too. Those guys make everybody else better. And that includes the secondary itself, right? It was essentially the same secondary the year before Bosa got here, right? And they were not nearly as good with the exception of Sherman, who was still pretty good, but mm-hmm. they were not nearly as good. And that pass rush changed everything. Like that one edition of Nick Bosa changed this entire team. And you can argue that he's the best player on the defense now with Fred Warner's emergence. Now you can argue that the, they're kind of interchangeable as one and two. But if you had Nick Bosa, the entire outlook of the defense would be different. And a lot of things that you're seeing now would be covered up. But when it comes down to it, like if you look at statistically, Jimmy Ward, he hasn't intercepted a pass since 2016. Like yeah, you four need, years, dude. Yeah. It's been four so years. Out of that position, single high safety in this defense. And a cover three, that guy has to be a playmaker. He has to be able to get to the ball. And we saw how Earl Thomas did it. I'm not, I'm not expecting Earl Thomas-level production on Jimmy Ward, but ideally you would get a guy that be able to be around the ball more than Jimmy Ward is. He's a solid player. I don't think he's a star, but he's a very solid player in that position, which is why they brought him back. Now, can Tarverius Moore give you the same production? I don't know. He had a chance last year a little bit when Ward was nicked up to play a little bit. And he did make a few rookie mistakes, but I mean, or a few mistakes as a young player, but I mean, like, that's going to happen with young players. That's how they learn. So I'm really anxious to see what Tarverius Moore can do in that position because he does have the speed. He has elite speed. It's just a matter of ball skills and being able to have the instincts it, it takes to play that position. So when it comes down to what they would have done in terms of keeping Ward or letting him go, I, I don't think they know enough about Tarverius, Tarverius Moore to make that decision yet. And I'm not necessarily defending it. Like I think that they probably should have kept Buckner and, and let Ward and Armstead go. But really in defense of the team, like they didn't really know what they had anymore because you, you have a championship level roster before the injuries and you have a chance to run it back. And do you start want to, do you want to start eliminating starters from this equation or do you want to keep the same group together that took you all the way to the Super Bowl? So I understand the rationale with wanting to keep Ward there. Armstead. So Alan and I, we've kind of talked about this off air and I talked about this in the off season on the podcast that I'm always weary of guys who have career years and contract years. It's, mm-hmm. it's to me, it's always a red flag because it's like, okay, well, so many times we've seen guys have a great year, get a contract and then totally fizzle out. Um, you know, we all, we all know Akash, we all love Akash. He, he puts those stats out and he put Armstead sack stats out for his entire career. He Actually, had I did one... that. I did that a week before Akash did, but that's okay. Okay. Cool. So, so you get... <laughs> I tweeted that on 11 too, but it's okay. I, I saw Akash did it too. Okay. So Al gets a credit for it. So Al put it out there. I remember that. So that's my bad, Al. So Al put right. it out there. No, no problem. The one outlier here was last year. We had 10 sacks. He led the team in sacks. But every other year, he's producing like he produced this year. So to me, like, it's, it, I'm always weary of that. And Buckner was more of a known commodity in that sense. Like Armstead could never really stay healthy before last year. He didn't really flash until last year. Buckner was consistently getting better. He was staying healthy for the most part. He was flashing. And yes, he did command the just below Aaron Donald type money. He's not on Aaron Donald's tier, right? He's just like, I would say I put him on the tier with like Fletcher Cox. I put him, I put him there. 
he was commanding that type of money and the Niners, they wanted to resign Kittle and they had other things they wanted to do. They decided it was best to part with him. Now we're looking back on it. Yeah, you could say with all the injuries, Buckner would have helped. But I think that having Kinlaw is kind of a nice consolation prize because while he's just a rookie and he's raw, if you put him on the line with Bosa and Armstead and another pass rusher, I think he'll be much better when he's shown this year. So to me, it's kind of a wash because of injuries. But if you wanted talent, then Buckner should have stayed. You know, the interesting thing, though, is like, all right, so obviously this then John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan built a great roster because they made the Super Bowl in three years from having nothing to Super Bowl in three years. We look at some of these contracts they've handed out. Weston Richburg, awful. Jarek McKinnon, yeah. awful. Quan Alexander, awful. Malcolm Smith, and they probably overpaid him just because they needed players at that time, awful. But I think Armstead falls into this awful contract category because I forget which one of you guys said it, but Ford and Bosa make the players around them better, right? And I think Buckner did that too. Eric Armstead doesn't do that. Eric Armstead needs other guys around him to be good. And when people like respond or make that argument, like, oh, well, he doesn't have Bosa. Why the hell are you paying him $17 million a year if he needs Bosa to be good? Right. Why the yeah. hell did you give him that contract? To me, I don't know. I think Armstead is a very good player. He's a good player, but he is not a $17 million area player. I don't know. I just, I think the contract's crazy. Yeah. With, you know, can, can he be a $17 million player when Bosa is back? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what you, then the contract looks better. Um, but with, it's just, I'm looking at his stats right now. You know, he has nine QB hits and one and a half sacks. That's pretty much what he did his rookie year. And he only, he only started one game. So and I, a part of it too, last year, you know, we, we all, I, I think we all watch enough game film to know, um, you know, that D, uh, D Ford got double teamed. Bosa got doubles and triples. Buckner got doubles and triples. So you got, you got a guy like Armstead freed up, you know, the fastest way to the quarterback is a straight line. and you have him over a guard in the center, he's going to absolutely destroy those guys. So we saw that big, big boost from um, Eric Armstead. And I think that's what they expected. You know, they didn't go into the season thinking that E. Ford was going to have a herniated disc and Nick Bosa was going to tear his ACL. Like those things were things they couldn't control. So I, I think we'll see a better Armstead next season once these guys are healthy and if they can stay healthy and maybe it'll justify the contract. But I'm, I'm with you on the other ones. You know, the Malcolm Smith contract was atrocious. Weston Richburg one has not worked out. Um, I mean, and, and spending that much money on a center kind of just blew my mind a little bit there, um, especially on a guy who hasn't been healthy like his entire career. So I just didn't, I didn't like that, that contract at all. Um, and even on my pod, I, I was calling for a center in the draft. Like they should have did that. I don't know why they didn't, but they should have. I remember that, Javi. We talked about it before the draft that uh, Cesar Ruiz was the guy, right? That we were looking at, at the end of the first, the first round, I believe, right? Ruiz was one, and then I I really liked the kid Hennessy out of Temple. I thought he would have been a good third round pick for this team. I thought he actually, I thought I thought he actually fit this offense much better than Ruiz. Yeah, I mean, I was I was right there with you. I remember we had these conversations leading up to it, and I was like, well, if they got two first round picks, or if they can pick at the top of the second round, they can they can pick up a center, and they can pick up maybe a receiver, and they went yeah. D lineman again because they lost a Buckner, and they went IU uh, quick. He's gonna be good, but. The question I have for you, man, is that with all these injuries, how hard is it going to be to evaluate this team right now? Because it's like you're missing most of your roster, your starting lineup, and the guys that are remaining, it's like like Armstead, right? They're highly dependent on the guys around them. How do you evaluate that? Like, can you evaluate that? I mean, I, at this point, to me, it's just like who shows up every Sunday. And I think, you know, this, this past Thursday night's game, they're getting their ass kicked. Excuse my language. The only guy that looked like he was there, who who cared or had any pride in in, in his play, 
versus Fred Warner. And those things stand out to the coaching staff. You know, you know, you'll find out who, what guys want to be there and things like that. But, you know, with Armstead, his contract is huge. He's going to be here next year. We all know that. And he's, he needs to step up his game. That's clear as day. Um, as far as the other guys, you know, evals, I think you can just eval them on their one-on-one matchups and how they're winning on the defensive side. And then, of course, on the offensive side, they're not that banged up on offense. They're going to be back. You know, we, we expect Mostert and Debo back for the Rams game. Ayuk should be back. He's not hurt. He just had a close encounter with COVID. Who the hell knows what happened there? Um, I, I just think you're going to have to just evaluate each guy individually, not as a, uh, not as a unit what you got for next season. I, this is just to me, this season is just a, to me right now. It's just a gap season. You know, this is a season to evaluate some guys who are free agents. If they want to bring them back, they will, you know, a lot of these guys are playing for contracts, so we should be seeing much better from them. Fortune um, with Tart going out today again, you know, he's, he's mm-hmm. good for 11 games a year and out five. So, I mean, I don't think he's back, but you know, this is a time to evaluate Jonathan Cipri. That's a various more Marcel Harris. Get those guys, those reps. Um, you know, you're also evaluating Emmanuel Mosley and Jason Verrett. Do you want to bring those guys back? Um, we all know Keller Witherspoon is not coming back. I, I think I think you're just evaluating the guys who are free agents and see what they got. They got in the tank um, on offense. Guys like Trent Taylor. I don't think he's back next year. He doesn't show anything as is, anyways. So I think just individually, they'd have to just eval guys. You know, one of the guys that, that showed up big too. I agree with you, Warner, and then Richie James too. And I, I know he yeah. had a couple. He had a holding call and he, and he dropped a pass. But listen, guy hasn't had a ton of a ton of playing time on the field. He had a mm-hmm. huge game, huge game. And you look at his career now; he's got twenty four receptions and he's got four hundred and seventy nine yards. It's twenty yards per reception. And I, I think Dante one Pettis? of the things we said, what was that? With Dante Pettis. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think one of the things that that we saw from from James was that he should be getting more snaps. A, a lot of us have been calling for it, but he came out and I thought he really balled out. And like you said, Javi, we're looking for people now who can help us in the future, even though I don't think they're out of it. I mean, well, I'll talk about that a little bit later, but looking for people that can help in the future. And Richie James all of a sudden looks like a guy that, that Kyle Shanahan should be mixing in there. And part of it, though, to, to me, I think there's a lot of roster politics here. You know, it, Richie James was a seventh round pick. I get that. But at Middle Tennessee State, he he flashed a lot. And then, you know, he helped. He, he's had moments of just spectacular plays. I don't know why he just doesn't get the ball enough when you're, I don't know why you're rolling out Trent Taylor as many snaps as you're rolling him out there for. Like if you have a better option with a guy like Richie James, why aren't you, why aren't you doing that? And that's, I think there's just a lot of roster politics going on in San Francisco and it's unfortunate for guys like Richie James and, and you know, um, there's a couple other guys on the team that should be getting sna- more snaps. I think Tavarius Moore being one of them and G James for sure. Al and I, when Richie James was drafted, we talked about how um, he had set all sorts of records in, in college and uh, he was kind of an explosive playmaker, but he wasn't necessarily playing on the best team or the best conference. So then he dropped and because of his size and he didn't have like elite speed. So he was just like a really solid route runner and a playmaker. And that's why he kind of dropped because teams, they think they can find that in other areas. But I'm a big Richie James fan. I always have been and ever since he was drafted. The Arizona game last year here in the in the Bay Area, uh, there was their Niners were down sixteen nothing, and Cash Hannon called a beautiful play where it was Jimmy rolling to his right and a throw back to the left, and there was basically like a screen on the left side all the way across the field. Richie James took it for about sixty yards instead of a touchdown, and they got back into the game because of that. And I, I feel like he would be really good in terms of what uh, Ayuk and Debo do as well. Like Debo's just a bruiser; he's baby Bolden. Like nobody can replace that. But 
in terms of how they run routes and like the way that Kyle likes to use his receivers with a lot of quick screens, a lot of quick throws, I feel like Richie James would excel at that. And I, and I want to see him more on the field doing that. And like you said, Javi, Trent Taylor, Al and I have talked about Trent Taylor quite a bit. Like everybody expected Trent Taylor to come out and have a huge season. The guy averages less than 10 yards a catch. And he's never had more than what, uh, Al, you put the stat up. There was a four catches in a game. That was his max. Something like that. Yeah. I'd have to look, but yeah, he, he, he averages something like 9.3 yards per catch for his career. So that's replaceable. That's, that's essentially like a receiving running back, right? You can, you can find that anywhere. And I think that the reason why they kept bringing him back is because of his affinity with uh, Jimmy's affinity for him being able to find him in 2017. We saw him finding constantly third down, being able to throw to him and, and Taylor was open, but after the multiple foot injuries, he just hasn't been able to, to really shake it. So to me, they have to they have to overhaul the receiving core after after the top basically three. If you have Debo, Ayuk, and Bourne as your top three, the rest of the guys, it's it's a question mark right now, and they got to fix that. You got to get Richie James these targets, and with the Trent Taylor thing, it's just and he's he, he's injured again. He's he was he missed practice today because of a back issue. So at this point, we know what he is. I think it's over for for Trent Taylor. Unfortunately, you know when you have seventy nine. 122 targets and only 79 receptions. I'm not, it doesn't do anything for me. So I'm, I'm with you guys on that one. All right. So Zane and I agree on probably most things, Zane, right? Like we don't disagree too much. We have, we have a lot of the same thoughts, but one of the things that I, I think we're kind of have a difference on now is Jimmy Garoppolo and Javi. I know you have some, some pretty strong opinions <laughs> on Garoppolo and I, I want to hear him because I respect, I respect what you say. And, and, and I want to hear it. And I, this is going to be a good back and forth here before we do it. I want to throw some numbers out to you guys. Okay. So we know the Seahawks have like a, a historically bad pass defense, right? So I'm going to read you. These are the starting quarterbacks passing yards for the, for the Seahawks every week so far this season. Matt Ryan, 450. Cam Newton, 397. Dak Prescott, 472. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 315. Kirk Cousins, 249. Kyler Murray, 360. Jimmy Garoppolo, 84. Josh Allen, 415. One of those things is not like the other. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know Grappolo only played three quarters. Uh, Nick Mullins two, threw for 238 in the fourth quarter, so which is in line with pretty much what everybody else did against the Seahawks. So, Javi, tell me why you're down on Jimmy. Tell me, tell me what you're seeing here. I am, you know, I was a very big Jimmy Grappolo defender. You can search my Twitter. I argued it all summer long because, you know, everyone was like, no, Kyle took the ball out of his hands in the playoffs. And then you started watching some game tape talking to people around the league and then it becomes like okay maybe he did take the ball out of his hands um what i'm seeing from jimmy garoppolo is a guy who doesn't see the field well what i'm seeing from jimmy garoppolo is a guy who has bad mechanics um what i'm seeing from uh, defenses who face jimmy garoppolo even last year they what was the narrative last year make jimmy beat you right um you know make stop the run and make jimmy garoppolo beat you and he and he did he did it in most cases and um it's just this year, teams are going to sit on the sticks. Teams are going to dare Jimmy Garoppolo to throw the ball outside of the hash marks to the sidelines on the boundary. And he has yet to prove that he can do that consistently. And that could be from, for a number of different reasons, whether that's the play call, whether that's the protection, or just Jimmy Garoppolo and his mechanics. I mean, we, saw, we all saw the Arizona game. He has Kendrick Bourne wide open, and he throws a duck. And that's consistent with... Last year, with anything past fifteen to twenty yards for Jimmy Garoppolo, it's either late, high, or behind with him. And you know, watching that Seahawks game, you know, people people will say, "Oh, when Nick Mullins came in and they just played prevent." No, they did not play prevent. They 
were blitzing Nick Mullins until Nick Mullins beat him a couple times and they backed off a little bit. So the coverages looked different. Um, with Jimmy Garoppolo, the Seahawks just dared him to throw and they just kept daring him to throw and he, and he couldn't do it. There, a couple, the play that comes to mind the most is there's a third and third and early on in the game. Jimmy Garoppolo is supposed to, his read is to th- go to um, Kendrick Bourne. He is the hot, but he throws it to Ayuk on the slant. You know, I was taught, you know, when I come up, you replace the blitz with the ball. And you're supposed, you know, where the blitz was coming is the guy, DJ Reed, was over Kendrick Bourne. The blitz comes from DJ Reed, and Jimmy just throws it just to get to Ayuk. If he holds, if he hangs on just a half second faster or longer, excuse me, Kendrick Bourne is streaking up the field for a touchdown. You go later on in the game, they run the same play reversed, and Nick Mullins throws the ball to the correct location, and Kendrick Bourne gets, gets the Niners into, I want to say, inside the 10 yard line, and they score, I think, on the next play. So those are the things that I'm seeing from Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not reading the field well. His mechanics are off. There's just a lot of question marks. And I, I, I don't subscribe to, um, you know, that, that Nick Mullins gets different play calls than Jimmy Garoppolo they're, when they're actually the same play calls. It's just one guy's executing better than the other at this point. So it's funny because this is what everybody's been waiting for. This is what you and I have been waiting for. Actually, we talked about it privately for weeks now. Every time we have a disagreement on Twitter, we're like, I can't wait till we can talk on the show. So this, this is it, right? And yep. And so that's that's a very fair breakdown. Okay, first of all, I want to I want to make sure to say that that that's a very fair way of saying it. Like you're not just blowing smoke. You're looking at film. You're looking at tendencies. Like you are actually doing the research, right? Where there's a lot of people yeah. out there that are that are just fans that have just bought into things for whatever reason, right? So you were actually yeah. like you're looking at this stuff. So what I, so what I'll say is that to me, um, first of all, I'm all about improving the team, no matter what position it is. I'm all about wanting them to get better and wanting him to improve every position and with regard to jimmy garoppolo if he's not the guy they should improve that right do i think he's going to be with the niners next year no i don't i think they'll improve that position i think they'll find somebody that's better but him being here this year so the, the, my thing is is that we have to look at kind of the the whole progression of how his career has gone here right we only have one full season basically of, mm. of film on him where he's been fully healthy the team's been healthy around him and I think he is one of those guys that falls into the category of like an Eric Armstead where like you have to have guys around him that are making plays for him to like look better, including his coach to be able to design the scheme. There's certain things that Kyle Shanahan does schematically that are for Jimmy Garoppolo specifically to mask a lot of his deficiencies, like throwing the ball deep or getting the ball out of his hands. Because when he holds the ball too long, he's not very, very effective. Like in any game where, where he's struggling, they'll put up the stat with how long he's holding the ball. And if he holds it for more than two and a half seconds, he's not very effective. And he's best as like a quick strike, short range passer. And he does most of his damage between the hashes. We know this. Now, teams obviously see this and they want to take this away. And when you have limited people in terms of injuries and Jimmy himself being limited and his own physical limitations as a quarterback, there's only so much the scheme can do. And there are players that he's missing that are open. There, there are shots that he's missing that are open. And Really, if the Niners had better quarterback play from both of their quarterbacks, they would be in a different situation, right? They would have won the, the Arizona game. They would have won the Philadelphia game, right? That's, that's the truth of it. They lost those games yeah. because of quarterback play. Yep, absolutely. So mm-hmm. what Kyle likes to do is Kyle likes to scheme up a lot of things to make Jimmy's throws easier. Now, my whole thing with Kyle is that I think he's a fantastic offensive mind. I think he's one of the best and brightest, if not the best and brightest in the league. Like there's no doubting that there is no other coach that I want that would want coaching this offense. There is, there's no doubt about that. 
However, what I've said to you, Javi, and, and put out there on Twitter is that I feel like after those first five games that Jimmy had, we all, we talked about that ad nauseum. We know about that, right? He was basically carrying the team those five games and was able mm -hmm. to go five and zero, oh, and they were able to win, right? That's what got him this big contract. And we saw very early on in 2018 before he tore his ACL that he was a little bit, a little bit more erratic. Like in that Minnesota game, he wasn't great. Like he didn't have receivers and Kittle did drop a, a short touchdown pass and Alfred Morris fumbled on the goal line, but Jimmy wasn't the same as 2017. And flash forward to the Lions game of that year, he threw that almost pick six uh, that basically was bailed out by the, call, the holding call on Kittle. So you mm -hmm. can kind of see like shades of this stuff, like kind of propping up a little bit. And maybe Kyle saw that too. So he put the handcuffs on. There's no doubt that Jimmy has the handcuffs on right now. There's no right, doubt about yeah. that. And whether it's because of Kyle not trusting him because of Jimmy's limitations or because it's just one of those situations where maybe a combination of both, he has the handcuffs on him. And to me, a guy's never going to grow, right? I don't care if Jimmy throws four or five interceptions in the game. He's got to grow at some point. I think we're past that point now, right? Like, I think we're kind of beyond that discussion. This discussion should have happened last year, but a guy has to be able to make his mistakes and learn from them. Like, you can't keep band-aiding this. And I'm not blaming Kyle Shanahan for that because, like, you're, you're winning, right? So who cares? But at yeah. some point, it's like you have to find out what this guy is. And now we're in this weird quarterback purgatory where we don't know what Jimmy is, but he's been throwing the ball to the other team. He's been totally mediocre this year for the most part. And last year, he was very serviceable. So to me, the drop-off from last year where you're actually serviceable and a pretty good NFL quarterback to this year where you're like basically, you know, year two Alex Smith, like you, you don't want to throw the ball down the field. You're not accurate with the short passes. And you don't know where you're going with the ball. I just, I just don't know what's happened. So, I don't know who's to blame with that. I mean, the the player, of course, takes the first amount of blame. But I don't know if it's a lack of growth because Kyle didn't let Jimmy grow. I don't know if it's Jimmy's own abilities kind of shining through now. This is what he is. But regardless of what it is, they have a huge problem on their hands. And I, I think we we will get eventually into the replacement plan too, potentially, and Kyle's yeah. evaluation quarterbacks. But I mean, like, I don't know, man. That's that's kind of my early take on it. Um. I think I think this is who I think this is who Jimmy is. I went back and looked at Jimmy Garoppolo's college stats. 2010, 14 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. 2011, 20 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. 2012, 30, 31 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. The outlier year is his I want to say senior year, 53 touchdowns and 9 interceptions. That was the outlier. Um so if we go and look at Jimmy Garoppolo last year, 26 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. It still is two to one ratio, kind of what he was in college. That's just at this point, I think we all, I think we all know who Jimmy Garoppolo is and maybe he just reached his ceiling. And as, as a four, as 49er fans, like, like us three are, you saw that 2017, you know, little five, five game stretch, like, Oh wow, there's something here. But then we look at it. If you really dig into it, he had seven touchdowns and five interceptions. So the turnovers were there too. So it's just, mm -hmm. I think it's, we, I think we all, I think we all overlooked that, those that, that turnover ratio because they won the games. I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo excels in third down percentage. I think Jimmy Garoppolo excels with getting the ball out quickly, but there's just he's limited, and I think Kyle can only do so much. I don't know if you can get, I don't know if you can develop those things out of a guy. You know, when you look at his college numbers versus his pro numbers, they're pretty much the same as far as the interception touchdown ratio, like the turnover ratio is the same from college to the NFL. And, you know, something I was talking to a buddy of mine about is talking about how, you know, looking at college guys and how they, how they 
get the ball to a moving target as opposed to a target who's going to be stopped or on the short seven to eight yard routes. And Jimmy Garoppolo didn't excel at that in college either. So I, I think we kind of just know who Jimmy Garoppolo is at this point. I, and I, I'm pretty sure Kyle knows exactly who he is too. Um, did Kyle do a great, good job of, of hiding him in 2019? Yeah, I'd say so. They went to the Super Bowl, but you can only do it for so long until a team picks it up. And then, you know, the, na- the national narrative towards the end of that season was to, you know, make Jimmy beat you. And he and Jimmy did beat you. He got you, he got you that great game in, in New Orleans. He played fairly well against the Cardinals twice. Um, mm-hmm. the, that Rams game, people, people hyped that game up a lot. I know I did, but rewatching it, he played like crap for three quarters. And then he, he showed up in that fourth quarter. Um, the Atlanta game, he played fairly well. I was at that one. Um, and then, of course, in Seattle, he, he was almost flawless, but everything was really short outside of that uh, use check like wheel route against a linebacker. Everything else is just what it is for him. So I think we're going to I think Jimmy Garoppolo just we're going to see Jimmy Garoppolo in the NFL elsewhere and his numbers will probably stay the same. You know, he'll be a 20 for 32 guy, um, you know, in attempts, you know, 286, one touchdown, two interceptions or one touchdown, no interceptions or no touchdowns, two interceptions. I think just that's just who he's going to be. Um, I know I was just watching the Rams game and the Patriots game, and I'm like, this is not sustainable. You cannot live behind the line of scrimmage forever. You know, you're turning Debo Samuel into Percy Harvin, and that's that's unfortunate. Right. It's yeah, it's a great point. You know, and another thing too, I think that that isn't getting talked about enough is availability is huge, and right. you're paying the that's guy twenty eight million dollars a year. And here's the factor that's got to come into it is Garoppolo got hurt in his second start in 2016 with the Patriots, his mm-hmm. third in 2018 with the Niners, and now his second this year, really, when he had the initial high ankle sprain. So assuming yeah. he's out for the rest of the season, he's been available for the regular season of 25 of the last 48 regular season games. That's it. That's it. That's not, so you're paying a guy that much money he's on the field. Bucks. Right. He's not, not you know, it's, he, he's not Aaron Rodgers when he's coming back on the field. And now all of a sudden where you have doubts about him, on the field, now you have doubts about his availability too. And I, I think that's going to factor into it too. When you mentioned the Rams game last year and everybody talks about, we we're all excited when he made that long pass to Sanders that he, Oh my God, I was, dr- I was drunk as hell. I was, a, I was, it was a greatest play ever. <laughs> right. And then you go back and watch it. You're like, Oh yeah, he really underthrew him by a lot, but whatever we won, you know, it was yeah, kind of exactly. that thing. And then I, it just, for me, it just seemed like in the playoffs, he played the crap against Minnesota. People mm-hmm. can say what they want to. Kyle took the ball. He almost threw an interception driving down the field against Green Bay, and then they didn't throw the ball after that. I know they were running, but you could say what they want to. And then the Super Bowl, the fourth quarter was he did not see the field. I didn't think he saw the field that well anyway in the Super Bowl. He threw an awful interception. There's check down plays that he's taking when they were open. It just seems like he never got his confidence back from that playoff run. Yeah, Maybe that is part of it. But I also will say this is even someone who is, you know, I defended Jimmy a lot, but even the most staunch Jimmy supporter, right? How can you look at guys like Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and what Tua did and Kyler Murray and all these young quarterbacks coming in making plays by themselves. And you could look at Jimmy who needs the offense to be perfect around him. How can you look at him and say like, oh no, he's great. He's probably like a top 20 QB. But Zane, we were talking like the other day, like would we take Derek Carr over him? We're like, oh, it's a push. I don't really know, man. Carr's been insane lately. You know, I think Carr's got something like 21 TDs and two interceptions in his last whatever games. Jimmy doesn't do that. So at this point, I guess where I'm going with this long-winded thing is, if the replacement happens, it's probably going to be one, one of these dynamic guys to the draft, right? Like you have to be thinking that that's where, where their head is at right now, right? I would hope so. I would hope so. I mean, we know that Adam Peters was at the BYU game, and that's the guy that I really like. I, you know, Twitter swears like I, what, I, what I say is gospel when it comes to some. I, I feel like that's the, the issue because my DMs get flooded and 
my mentions get turned into shambles. I'm like, look, I, I, I enjoy studying football, period. College ball, I, I love watching college ball. And, you know, when Steve Young mentioned Zach Wilson on KNBR one day, I was like, I was like, who the hell is Zach Wilson? So I go watch. I'm like, oh, wow. You know, he looks like a guy that would translate to the NFL. Cool. I keep watching. And then every week, it's another amazing play after another amazing play. And I'm like, we need one of those. And, you know, you watch Aaron Rodgers, you watch Justin Herbert, you watch Mahomes, you watch Russ, Kyler, Burrow. We need one of those, you know, where Kyle can utilize his full playbook and, and offense. Because, you know, for, for people who are like, oh, you know, yes, we understand that Niners have a lot of yak guys. But Kyle likes throwing the ball downfield. You know, he did it in Washington. He did it in Cleveland with Hoyer and Manziel. He did it um, in Atlanta, obviously, with Julio and Matt Ryan. And you get to San Francisco, and C.J. Beathard is your best deep ball thrower. That sucks. You know, you just, it's just it's frustrating to watch all these other guys around the league, you know, slinging around, and we have the best play caller in the NFL who gets guys like River Craycraft wide open in the end zone, you know, back-to-back plays. Like, I, I think Kyle can excel with a rookie quarterback um, going forward if they, cho- if they choose to do that. Can Kyle win with Jimmy Garoppolo? Obviously, we've seen him do it. Um, but, you know, what I don't want is to where you need everything to be absolutely perfect for the quarterback to win. If it's not, you're going to have a whole bunch of struggles. You know, you kind of have to have a guy who's going to elevate the talent around you, whether that be a George Kittle or a Ross Dwelly. You know, the talent gap is huge between those two guys. But you want to at least have a quarterback who can kind of make up for those, you know, those talent gaps around him. You know what I mean? So, Zane, are you still? Are you still? Also, I was going to ask you, Zane, are are you worried? I know you mentioned it a little bit. I saw it on Twitter. We talked about it briefly. Are you worried about Kyle having patience to develop or being able to develop a QB? Where do you stand on that? Absolutely, absolutely. Because, and this is why. So, Kyle Shanahan has done a lot of good work. I, I look at Kyle Shanahan with the way that he uses quarterbacks. I feel like he elevates like an already existing product, but he doesn't necessarily develop into anything. And I know that I know that Javi, you're, you're talking, you're thinking about Kirk Cousins, and we'll get to him in a second. But if you look at what Kyle Shanahan has done in every stop that he's had as an offensive coordinator, and then here in, in the Bay Area, he's taken the level of a, a kind of so-so quarterback and elevated that to like a pretty decent, like serviceable starter level, right? He did that with Schaub, did it with Hoyer, did it with, I mean, RG3 was, we, we knew what he was coming out in college. We knew that he was going to be like, kind of like a, a, a run and throw type of quarterback and did it with Cousins, did it with Jimmy. And now basically we're kind of in the search for another quarterback. It's, it's, we're basically back where we were in 2017. Now, the issue that I have with Kyle is that you have to be able to scout and make a choice and then develop. It's not just one thing. It's like, okay, they, they drafted Kirk Cousins in Washington. Okay, that's one half of it. The other half is that you have to develop him. Kirk Cousins didn't get good until Kyle Shanahan left. That's, that's the truth of it. Kyle Shanahan was gone. And that's when Kirk Cousins really took off. So he didn't develop Kirk Cousins. I mean, you can say that maybe he developed him in the time that he was there, but Kirk Cousins never took off until Kyle Shanahan left. So he gets credit for finding him in my book doesn't get credit for developing him because he was gone. And in terms of developing a quarterback, I'm talking about more than like a one year kind of flash in the pan type of guy. That's what Jimmy was last year, right? He had one good year. That's really what, what it comes down to. Jimmy had a, a good year last year. RG3 had a good year in his rookie year. He was kind of like, eh, in his second year. Uh, obviously, he did get injured in his rookie year, but came back in the second year. He was kind of like, eh. Matt Ryan only had one good year under Kyle Shanahan. That was the MVP year. The year before that, he put up a Jimmy year. 
where he had 21 touchdowns and like 15 picks or something like that. And they went eight and eight. So really we're, we're killing Jimmy for that type of year. But then we're talking, we're elevating Matt Ryan at the same time. So it's like, to me, it's like, well, the difference here is that in order to make this work at this point, and Javi, you and I have talked about this and how Kyle passed on Mahomes and Watson. Mahomes is a little bit of a, a wild card. So I, under, I kind of understand that. But passing on Deshaun Watson in 2017 when you needed a quarterback mm-hmm. for the thought of Kirk Cousins, to me, that that is unforgivable to me because it's like you needed a quarterback and there was one right there for you. And Kirk Cousins was not even a free agent at that time. And you thought you thought that you were going to get him and then they ended up getting Jimmy. So to me, it's like I, I question, like, I don't know. If, I'm not going to say that he can't do it because that's not fair to him. We don't know if he can do it or not. But I'm going to say that I, I'm highly skeptical of it because he's never proved it. And here we are in going into his fifth year here and we still don't have the quarterback set. Like, what are we doing here? Like, I mean, I understand that people thought that Jimmy was the guy and, and people pinned blame on Jimmy, but it's like Kyle evaluated him too. If he thought that Jimmy was limited, he, if he thought that Jimmy was not going to be able to get the job done, something, I mean, they could have done something about this. Instead, they handed him a huge deal. So there really is no escaping I don't say blame, but there's no escaping this quarterback situation for Kyle. He's he's going to be involved in it. He's going to take the blame if it doesn't work. He's going to take obviously he's going to get the credit rightfully so if it works out. However, Javi, uh, Al and I said this on the last show that if Kyle doesn't get it right now, yeah. this may be the final nail in the coffin for him here because if you mess if you mess it up if you mess up the quarterback situation now, you're going into year six, seven, and eight without a quarterback. I mean, mm-hmm. that's curtains to me. Like you're not going to be able to win. And all the stuff that he's done with Jimmy to, to mask and band-aid and all this stuff, that's great. But you got to let guys grow. And part of that is patience and being able to let them throw picks. Like Kyler Murray had a three-interception game and a two-interception game this year. Cliff Kingsbury is not thinking twice about it. He's like, you know what? It's part of the growing, growing pains, right? If you're not going to let guys grow like that, it's never going to work out. So to me, like, I, I like Zach Wilson's tape. Like You've kind of shown me the light here, and, I, and I've looked at him more, and I kind of, I'm kind of growing on the idea of like getting a rookie quarterback. But is Kyle going to have the patience to deal with him for a year or two while he learns the playbook? And is the fan base going to have patience with the quarterback as well? People gave Jimmy half a season. And you know this, too, because you were, you were staunchly defending Jimmy this offseason, right? They gave mm-hmm. him half a season. Halfway through last year, they were complaining about him. Are you going to do the same thing with the rookie? Because if you do that, the media and the fans will absolutely bury that guy. And he's not going to have a chance here. So I will say Cliff Kingbury, Cliff, Cliff doesn't give it a second, second thought. Because what is, I mean, when you watch Kyler and you watch Jimmy, what does the eye test tell you? Kyler's better than Jimmy. Like, that's part of it. Um, right. When it comes to Kyle developing a quarterback, it's not, it's not that he, he just never, he hasn't had the opportunity. In Houston, when's the last time you heard a wide receiver coach being responsible for the quarterback? Uh, what about, and then in 2007, he was a quarterback coach. And then in 2008, 2009, he was offensive coordinator in Houston. He was there three years. He goes to Washington. You know, we all know RG3 was pushed on them and they had a rookie of the year season with him. So we know Kyle can develop a a simplified, somewhat simplified offense for a rookie and he can excel in it because we've seen it with RG3. And then he, he he's him and Mike, his dad, are they get credit for identifying Kirk Cousins because the way I look at Kirk Cousins, he's a fourth round pick. If the production you're going to get out of a fourth round pick is Kirk Cousins, to me, that's a win If as an evaluator. Like, OK, we got to a you know a 12 to 15 year quarterback here who who will who will start and you know get you to 500 like he's he's a guy like that and in Kyle's defense under Kyle he only had three starts before Kyle and Mike were fired 
Um, and then I think it was Gruden who came in after him. He gets to Atlanta. We all know what happened in Atlanta. And then he gets here. Now, I understand what they did with Brian Hoyer. What, what, what irritates me with 49ers fans is they, they, make, they make it an issue with the Hoyer thing in the 2017. And we, there's this weird thing going on with Twitter. Like, why they spend so much money on use check? And, like, did we forget how bad this franchise was in 17? They had to overpay for guys to get here. Um, Pierre Garcon was an overpay. Malcolm Smith was an overpay. Juszczyk was overpaying. Marquise Gooden was, you know, a value, you know, bargain bin deal. And then Hoyer, another bargain bin type guy. So they kind of had to build something, get a roster in here. Now, do I think Kaepernick could have ran this offense? Yes. That's another, that's another story uh, for another day. Um, and then I think anyone who watches college ball knew CJ Beathard wasn't the guy. That was just a guy to pick. I never expected much out of him. I just figured they were going to go after Kirk Cousins. And I was on board with the idea. I was like, okay, let's see what Kyle can do here. We just, we just got off of Kyle Shanahan, you know, and the, and the Atlanta Falcons going to a Super Bowl. And if we can get, get some of the pieces around the offense and defense ready to go and then bring in a guy like Kirk, then potentially they win nine, 10 games in year two. But that didn't happen. They go get Jimmy Garoppolo. They go on this run and everyone, me included, is in love with Jimmy G. You're going to go pay the guy. And we also, knew that contract was structured in a way that the Niners could get out of it. And I think that was the smartest thing they did because now we're seeing that maybe Jimmy isn't the guy. Um, as far as patience goes with Kyle, I think he would have patience with a rookie um, because, I mean, why wouldn't he? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see why he wouldn't, especially if he's finding his guy. And if he can find, if he can identify a guy like Kirk Cousins in the fourth round, what can he do with a guy he finds in the first round or the second round? So I'm I'm very optimistic with it, and you know, is Adam Peters making this decision or John Lynch making this decision? So that's another question. Um, but I, I'm fully on I'm fully on board with Kyle Shanahan, and I think part of me part of it is though like we lost Harbaugh, and we got two crappy coaches back to back. It's art. It's to me, it's harder to find a good coach, and I, I and I want Kyle to be here to continue the development of this team, and you know, we have the weapons around that would help a young quarterback. Do I think a quarterback, a young quarterback can come in and run this conservative style of offense that we're running right now? Absolutely. Um, with guys like Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, maybe they get Justin Fields. Maybe they go that route. Those guys seem to see the field a lot better. And maybe we're seeing a lot more explosive plays down the field. And, you know, you have this really strong run game. So now teams have to defend both. Where now teams are kind of just loading up the box and trying to stop the run and daring our quarterbacks to throw. So I'm I'm there. I as a fan, I'm very patient. I mean, shoot, I've been waiting since I was eight, since the last Super Bowl. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be here. You know, I don't I don't switch teams. You know what I mean? It's fair. I mean, I think that's really fair. So I think where where we differ in opinion here is is that I think that Kyle prefers like a veteran sort of quarterback because he doesn't yeah. have to do as much work with them. Like they they kind kind of come ready out of the box, right? Like they, or somewhat ready out of the box, right? Because those guys are easier to develop because it's like they have NFL reps and skills and they know the playbook and the routine and everything. So, and that, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But my thing is, is like, look, that's, that's fine that he was able to find Kirk Cousins in the fourth round, but it's like, he's got to do better than that. Like if Jimmy is going, if he's gone, you have to replace, it's not a lateral move here. They have to do, they have to replace him with somebody that's going to be significantly better. And I think that, I think that you can find that guy. I mean, it's not impossible, yeah. but. You have to, if you make this move to get rid of Jimmy, it cannot be a lateral move because then if it's a lateral move, you're wasting the careers of George Kittle, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, all these guys yep. that are young that are in their prime. You're wasting years off of their careers, healthy years off of their careers in order to develop a quarterback. So to me, this is a really dangerous road that they're traveling if they don't get it right. 
if they if they get it right, awesome, fantastic. We have our next Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, whoever it is for the next ten years, and that's great, fantastic. But if they if they mess it up again, I I don't I don't know what's going to happen. And I think Kyle's the right guy for the job. I don't want to at all say that Kyle should not be here. I think he's a great coach. I think that what he's done here is great. They took the worst roster in the league in 2017 and they flipped it into a Super Bowl team three years later. That's unheard of in this league. Yeah. That doesn't happen. So huge credit to them for their player evaluation. It's this one area for me that I'm critical of Kyle is that can he evaluate in QB? And it's going to be the most important evaluation of his career here in the Bay Area because we talk about the bar, right? Guys, the bar is Jimmy. The bar is winning 76% of your games with Kyle in a Super Bowl appearance. When it comes down to it, yes, he had a defense, but Kyle also had a defense too. Kyle also had a healthy offense too. So my questions surrounding Kyle are around, can he get it done without Jimmy G? Because he's never proven that he can get it done with the quarterback other than Jimmy G. He's won five games in his career. Out of 56 games that he's coached, he's won five of them without Jimmy G. So can you do it with another quarterback? It's possible, yes, absolutely. But you've got to be able to prove it. And is Kyle a fantastic offensive mind? Yes, fantastic offensive mind, fantastic play designer, great play caller. But are you more than an offensive mind? Are you going to be a head coach and develop players and develop a team? when you don't have necessarily the pieces to keep them competitive? Or is it going to be like another 27, 2018 year where you're drafting at the top half of the draft because you have so many injuries? To me, that is a fair outlook because it's like, okay, well, I'm not trashing like Kyle's ability because I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but I'm also saying like, okay, well, here's the test now, how good of a coach you are. Can you get these guys up and motivate them? Like if they finish eight and eight this year, guys, it's a miracle. And then I'm looking at Kyle Shannon and saying, like, look, you turned a miracle this year with all the injuries that you had, with no quarterback, with no starters for key positions for most of the year. If you can squeeze eight and eight out of that and maybe a playoff berth or contemporary playoffs, that's huge. But my questions around Kyle center around, can you do it without Jimmy? Like, can you do it without an elite defense? Can you do it without your running game working perfectly? A running game that he designed, he gets credit for, for designing. Absolutely gets 100% of credit. Can you do it? And though, to me, those questions kind of linger because it's not an accident that you see a guy who, who's won so many games with Kyle and, and Jimmy, right? Like maybe they, they, they offset each other really well. You're getting the turnovers and all that stuff, but maybe Jimmy is the best guy right now that can run that scheme. And if Kyle struggles with another quarterback, then I think it's right for the question. And we won't know until there's another quarterback in here. But I think that if you're going to make this move, it's got to be, that's the bar, right? You're winning 76% of your games. You are functioning in this offense the way that Kyle wants you to function and you're putting the team on your back for a few games which is what Jimmy did so is Jimmy the best quarterback in the world no is he top 10 quarterback no but within the system within the team he's shown that he can have success success that other quarterbacks have not shown so I know the bar is low with comparing Hoyer and Beathard and Mullins but uh comparing that to Jimmy but when it comes down to it I mean for those who say that Jimmy is not good of a quarterback, how come he was, he's won so many games? It just doesn't add up. So to me, that's kind of where I'm at right now. If they're going to make the move, that's fine. It has to be an upgrade. It can't be a lateral move. So I, I love Kyle too, and I want him to be here for a long time for all the reason you guys said, but nobody gets a bigger pass in the history of anything than Kyle Shanahan, who had Brian Hoyer and Matt Barkley on his roster and passed <laughs> up someone who may be the best quarterback of all time and also Deshaun Watson. Nobody gets more of a pass for that than Kyle Shanahan does. Think about that. Think about I that. Looking back pass. If, so, if somebody, but, but he gets it hot. Nobody, nobody, oh, nobody kills yeah. him for it. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. 
that was one of the worst decisions maybe in the history of football, whether people knew it or not at the time. And Mahomes was a wild card. Deshaun Watson, I think he was a wild card. I thought he was going to be really good. I think he was going to be a really good quarterback. They took Sol- yeah, Solomon Thomas, you know, over those guys. Hell, even if you thought Trubisky was going to be okay, it would have been a better pick than, than, than Thomas. Like they had no quarterback and they left those guys out there. That was a miserable decision. I mean, it was now, awful. Yeah. And nobody, everybody, nobody says anything about it because everybody likes Kyle, right? Yeah. What happens if they don't have a quarterback in two or three years? It's all remembered very differently. And I hope it doesn't happen, but I just oh, want to say yeah. this real quick. Yeah. Um, and, and, you guys mentioned, so, so Kyle has not, has not had a chance to develop anyone. We don't know yet. And Javi, you, you kind of alluded to this, but if you look at where he was, he hasn't been anywhere that long. He was an offensive yeah. coordinator. We started in 2008. So 08 and 09, he's got Schaub, basically. Yeah. In the second year there, Schaub threw for almost 4,800 yards, 29 touchdowns, best season of his career. Then they go to Washington. He's got what's left of Donovan McNabb in 2010, Rex mm-hmm. Grossman in 2011. Then he had the two RG3 seasons, and I think, yeah, Cousins only had three or four starts during that time. Yeah, then he, he goes he to Cleveland. five games and three starts. Okay, so yeah, so he, well, he didn't, get the, didn't get that much time then. Then he goes to Cleveland, and I guess he did what you could do with Brian Hoyer. I mean, Hoyer, he threw for 3,300 yards and 12 tees <laughs> and 13 picks in 13 games. I mean, it's not, it's not like he had a great season. I guess he did what you could do. Yeah. And then you get the Matt Ryan years where he had Ryan threw for 4,600 yards in 2015, but 21 TDs and 16 picks. And then the mm-hmm. next year, he blows the doors off of everything and wins the MVP, almost 5,000 yards, 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Now, he hasn't – San Francisco, it's kind of been musical quarterbacks too. C.J. Beathard was a bust, but Nick Mullins came out of nowhere, and he can run the offense. Is he great? No, but that's for an undrafted free agent who could come mm-hmm. in and run the offense, be a decent backup. He did a good job there. You know, not that Mullins is the answer, but if he's a backup that can come in and keep you afloat with a good team around him, sure. Not going to win games on his own, but so that's the thing. We don't. I don't think we know if if Kyle can really develop anyone. I don't think we've really seen it, um, other than yeah. Beathard, who looks bad, but. We, we have to wait and see what, what happens, but we're going to be really interested to see where they go this year because do they take the approach of, okay, there's a guy good enough in the first round that we have a, ch- a chance at and he can come in and be a Joe Burrow or whatever and, and, and we can win with him or are they going to do a stopgap and identify somebody later in the first round or later early in the second round, whatever it is, and who is that stopgap? Is it Jimmy Garoppolo? Are they going to make a run for Matt Ryan if he's available and say we can still win now and develop somebody in the later rounds? It'd be really interesting to see you guys. Yeah, I think the name that keeps coming up is Sam Darnold. And if I'm if I was running this team and the Niners had the draft capital to do so, I would attempt to acquire Sam Darnold and still draft a quarterback in the first round. Like I would do both those things and just have these guys compete. And if you can develop Sam Darnold into something and you still have your first round quarterback who's playing really well, now you have another you have another asset on your on your squad that you can trade away for future picks and things like that. Um, I, you know, seeing what, the, seeing what you, what the Niners have gotten out of, like, we've seen some really good play out of CJ Beathard. Uh, anyone remember the Chargers game, uh, in 2018, he played fairly well. The Giants game when they won, he played fairly well. So he's, he's had moments. Um, so I think y- you can see some things in there with him, but in, in anyone who watches big 10 football kind of knew what CJ Beathard was. So I, I hated the pick anyways. Um, and then to get, to get to the Super Bowl with, with the defense, with the deficiencies of Jimmy Garoppolo and him not really being the reason you got there, I think it says a lot more about Kyle as well as a developer, as a play caller. But I trust him with a with a rookie. I think, 
I think that's just the I think that's the best way to go about it. And you know, we were just talking about you know Defoe and Eric Armstead. These this team has a lot of dis- decisions to make in the offseason. That's twenty four, twenty five million dollars off the books if you move off Jimmy Garoppolo, where you can go and make some in, some improvements to this team, whether that be on the offensive line, whether you go get yourself another pass rusher, find a corner, and you bring in a rookie quarterback so he has the talent around him and the defensive talent around him, and you can kind of work him in slowly and you, you know, by mid season, late, later in the season, the kid could be, you know, clicking on all cylinders and you got something, you know, you're cooking with gas and maybe you make a deep playoff run or you just make the playoffs with a rookie quarterback. And then, then you're off to the races the second year. So I, I, I'm all in on Kyle and, and him making a, a decision on a first round quarterback. I, I really hope they go that route. If they keep Jimmy cool, but he has to improve as well. Like it can't all just be on Kyle. He has to make these mechanical improvements and, Decision making needs to get better. I spoke to a couple guys who work uh, at, at, with SI, not not Grant, but a couple guys who were in the locker room. And Jimmy had mentioned at the end of the season that he wanted to work on field vision, as that was like his biggest thing. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then we get to the season, I'm like, all right, I guess he didn't do that. So I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's like I feel like Kyle. It's also the type of quarterback Kyle wants, and we know that he doesn't he doesn't have an affinity towards mobile quarterbacks. He said as much in the press. He said this when he was evaluating Deshaun Watson and, and Patrick Mahomes. And to me, the funny thing is, from that draft, going back to your comment earlier, how Kyle gets a pass for that, the only quarterback that he flew out to see was Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky over Watson and Mahomes. And people want to make excuses for that, Al and, and Javi, on Twitter. And they're like, oh, they, he flew out there because it was a smokescreen. You're not going to spend one of your visits. You only get a limited amount of visits with guys, you're not going to spend one of them fly across the country in North Carolina and have a, have a, or wherever Trubisky was, was at the time and have a smoke. I mean, they did it for Kaiser. They did it with, they did it with Kaiser too. So. I mean, I I like to think they were a little bit more, more serious about Kaiser than were about Trubisky, but I mean, even I hope they weren't (laughs) even, even that, even that, I mean, not, not in the first round, but like Kaiser is like a, like a, like the Bethard spot, right? Like a third, fourth round. Like in that, in that Mm -hmm. sense, but like, even if they did that, okay, the fact that you flew out to see him and not Watson and Mahomes, to me, it's like, I, I just, it's just baffling. So, yes, I think that Kyle Shanahan has a chance. It's unfair to say that he cannot do it because we've never seen him do it. But the fact still remains that, guys, we can't have, like, Matt Schaub and Kirk Cousins and these, the, the outliers that the Matt Ryan MVP year, but Jimmy Garoppolo, you can't have this as the bar. He has to be better than that. You have to find your next franchise quarterback. You can't find another game manager. It's not good enough because we've seen that a game manager is not good enough to win a Super Bowl on this team. He has to be able to make plays. And is is that guy in college? Maybe he is. Maybe he's one of these young guys. But it's up to Kyle to also buy into that and pick him. So whatever happens with the 49ers and their quarterback situation, it's going to be whatever they're comfortable with. And we can hoot and holler as much as we want about a quarterback or keeping Jimmy or letting him go or drafting one. But ultimately, if the team decides that their quarterback situation is dependent on the Kyle, the, the guy that Kyle wants, that's what's going to happen. And no amount of politicking from us and campaigning from us for a certain guy is going to change that. And I think sometimes that's the frustrating thing because we, we, to us, it's obvious. And sometimes that's also the nice thing is it's like, okay, well, maybe they can walk us off the ledge a little bit. So I'm not at all questioning Kyle's ability as a play caller. But I am saying that, like, and I, and I do dispute the, the claim that it was not Jimmy that got them in the Super Bowl. He went, he won four games by himself last year, basically, where 
either they have no running game or no defense or both. So, you know, but- I mean, I mean, that's, that's a quarter of your wins almost basically that Jimmy got you by, by beating other teams. So he was an integral part to what they did, but to me, it's like, okay, can Kyle do it without an elite defense? What's he going to do when his defense isn't winning him games? Like the defense won several games last year. So I think that there's questions all around and, and I didn't want to have these questions in year five, but unfortunately this is what it is at this point. And Sam Darnold, I think it'd be a, a, a good flyer to take on him. But to me, Javi, I think the problem now is that because you don't have that third round pick for, that they traded away for Trent Williams either, it's like you're kind of limited at this mm-hmm. point with what you can do. And that sucks because it's like, I would have loved to have taken a flyer like that on the guy, a low risk, high reward sort of thing. But I, I just don't know what they can do. It's like, maybe you bring back Jimmy on a one-year deal. But the problem is, is that he's got that huge cap number. And when you have that huge cap number, they've got to renegotiate that, which means that they give him more guaranteed money. I'm not sure, number one, if they're willing to do that. And Jimmy has all the leverage here too, because he could say, I'm not going to renegotiate, trade me or release me. And then you have no quarterback at that point. So, uh, or, or you go with Mullins at that point as a bridge. So I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens at the end of the year. Um, you know, to me, like I've seen enough from Jimmy Garoppolo winning that I think he's a winning quarterback. He's not perfect on tape and he's erratic. We forget that Steve Young was very erratic too, before Mike Shanahan got a hold of him. When he was playing games with Joe Montana, Bill Walsh himself said that Steve Young is a really "quote unquote" frustrating guy because you don't know what you're going to get out of him. He would throw picks, he would throw incompletions, he'd miss open receivers, he would make the wrong reads consistently. And it was only really when Joe was kind of out of the picture and down for two years with the elbow injury that Steve Young got reins of the offense. They let him grow a little bit, be erratic, and he kind of grew into what you saw in '94. It kind of culminated with that Super Bowl win, and from '94 to '98. To me, he was probably, if not the best quarterback in the NFL, top three because of what he had to carry with the Niners. So yeah. I don't know if we'll ever get to, get to that point with Jimmy, but to me, it's like you have to let a quarterback go through his lumps, and I hope that Kyle realizes that even if he drafts a rookie next year. Yeah, I don't know. The eye test of Steve Young and Jimmy Garoppolo to me, though, are two completely different. Jimmy's throwing off his back foot. and yeah, so I, know me, me, no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Let me finish that thought though, Al. <laughs> so Steve Young was a far superior athlete than Jimmy was. Steve Young was one of the best athletes to ever play the quarterback position. So, I mean, athletically, they were very different, but I'm talking about like conceptually, it's, it's kind of a similar thing to me, but athletically, there's no, there's no comparison. All right. Yeah. We can talk about Garoppolo for the next five hours. So let's, I want to throw <laughs> this out to you guys. Um, seriously, it never ends. It never ends. Um, He's gorgeous though. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Does well with the he'll always do well with the ladies, so that's good. Yeah. All right. Niners got seven games left. They're four and five. Three yeah. weeks ago, we're talking this team's going to be ten and six, and they're going to be fine after they killed the Patriots. And now they've just looked atrocious in two weeks. Last week, they shouldn't even been playing that game. It was ridiculous. But still, I don't see there's any think yeah. there's any way they can beat the Saints this week. Saints are just loaded. Saints are playing great. So you're mm-hmm. going to you come out of the bye and you're four and six. Is there any way this team can get to the playoffs? I think that they can. And I'm going to tell you why. Say we come back, the offense comes back healthy, okay? Sherman's back. They're as healthy as they're going to be for the second half run. I know you don't have Kittle. I know you don't have Garoppolo. But can they get there? Here's what I think. I think they can beat Washington and Dallas. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's two wins. That gets them to six wins. So we'll, that would put them at six and six. I know those aren't the next two games. but So can they come out with three two to three wins in the next four games because eight and eight may get you in in that seventh spot. If you look at the standings, it may be eight and eight. So 
it looks like the Bucks are going to be one of the wild cards and the Saints will win the division. That's kind of what it looks like. Anywhere else, mm-hmm. it's completely open. So you have two wild cards that are completely open. So, all right, let's come out of the bye. They're playing the Rams. So it's a division game. We already saw what they did to the Rams once. Is it a tough game? Absolutely. Division games, anything can happen. I think that's a, you can call that a winnable game if they're healthy. Yeah. The Bills games, the next, now I know the Bills look great this past week. But the Bills have looked awful four weeks in a row. I watch a lot of Bills. It's, it's kind of my neck of the woods. They looked awful. They're also going across the country. It's a primetime game. I know based on last week, Al, you're crazy. But if they get the Bills from the past four weeks, winnable game. Then you got the Washington. Then you got the Cowboys. So say you even go three and one there, right? That puts them at mm-hmm. what? Seven and seven? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Then... You probably have your fate in your own hands because they're playing the Cardinals and they're playing the Seahawks who may not have anything to play for at that point. So I know it seems like a long shot, but can eight and eight happen? Can nine and seven happen? Do you guys think that's realistic? Um, I'm going to say no, but if they get to your scenario, that means Nick Mullins is playing well. Do you throw Jimmy Garoppolo back in there for those final two games if he's back? Because that would be six weeks. Great question. Be a good problem to have. No, you don't, because because if Mullins is winning all those games, that means you have beaten one or more of uh, the Rams on the road and the Bills on the road. So, I mean, but to me, that's like if he, unless it's a defensive thing and like he had nothing to do with it. But I mean, like you can't you can't bench the hot hand at that point. Then we bite. Then we potentially say bye to Jimmy Garoppolo. Then right? Oh, absolutely. If I'd that's the case, okay. absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. That, 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 and then that that would be the whole that that would put the nail in the coffin with Garoppolo. Because if you got to seven and seven and potentially you know on a playoff berth with Nick Mullins, I, I doubt you bring Jimmy Garoppolo back. But I, I to me, I, honestly, I think the Niners have two, three winnable games on the schedule. You know, last year we played that Saints game, and that was you know that was probably the best game of the year um, oh, yeah, across the yep. NFL. That was an amazing game. I almost had a heart attack. Um, and we didn't we didn't touch Drew Brees once, and he put up those kind of points. Um, we don't have the defense that we had last year, and we uh, are we going to get to him? I don't even know if we this this game might get out of hand. No Mostert, yeah, this, probably no yeah. Debo. Um, yeah, and then the Rams game. I th- yeah, I think the Ram game is winnable, but it's a road game. The Rams are still f- kind of fighting for the division. Um, I just don't, I don't like Jared Goff, so I guess yeah, I think I think you're on on to something there. Buffalo, I think Buffalo concerns me the most because we can't stop a running quarterback to save our life. And Josh yeah, Allen, if he gets out, he, Josh Allen is like a gazelle. He, he doesn't have to beat you with his arms. He can beat you with his legs. And that's a concern there too. Um, their defense though has been kind of shaky. So I think we can probably get to him. But by then, hopefully Mostert's back and Debo fully healthy. So that, that could be something. Um, I'm there with you. And then those final two games, it's just, it's Seattle. Seattle always gives me a, freaking headache um in arizona i'm still not sold on arizona though i just don't i don't believe that team is that good to be honest with you so i mean i mean yeah yeah they could get to eight and eight part of me part of me is like no don't get to eight and eight and just you know play for draft picks at this point just because you know what you're going to need next year i think i think that's possible but i just i I mean this team's not going to quit i think that's that's one thing that Kyle Shanahan and Robert Sala and John Lynch have kind of instilled in this team. There's no quit in this team. They're going to keep fighting. We saw that early on in 17 when they when they were getting, you know, they lost five straight games by three points or less or whatever it was. You know, even in 18 after Jimmy got hurt, they were in a lot of games. 19 last year, there was no quit in them, no matter what the score was. 
Um, and then, then so far this year, they've been competitive in every game except for the Dolphins and the Seahawks game. And I'm, I'm sorry, Dolphins and the um, Packers game. And the Packers game was, wasn't really their, their choice. They had this COVID thing going on. So there's no quit in this team. I think it's possible. I don't. I'm just kind of I'm on the fence about it. I don't know if the if they can do it. My my biggest concern is the pass rush. When you got a guy like Drew Brees, he'll just pick you apart. And if you can't get to Jared Goff, he'll pick you apart too. And those those things can concern me. Injuries, man. I mean, that's the biggest factor to me. If they can get yeah. some of these guys back, if they can get Sherman back, who's got his practice window open up this week, by the way. Sherman back, Mostert back, Debo back, Kittle back at some point, hopefully before the season. And uh if Mullins is struggling to get Jimmy back. A lot of this depends on how healthy they can be on both sides of the ball. And if they can get healthy and be able to run the offense that Kyle was used to running with running the ball and short, quick passes, then I think they have a chance. I, I don't. And the other thing is that you're running into a bunch of teams that are pissed off at you for beating them, like the Saints last year. Essentially, you you dropped them down to the number three seed, I believe it was, um, and made them play on wild card weekend by beating them because you had the, the tiebreaker over them. So the saints are pissed off. I don't think they're going to, they're, they're not going to win that game. The Rams, it's a toss up because we don't know how they're going to respond and what the Niners health is. If they can run the ball and they can take Aaron Donald out of the game, like they did last time, they'll be good. But you gotta, you gotta think that Sean McVay and those guys are pissed about the last time because they got embarrassed on national TV by the 49ers. So there's that the bills, Josh Allen is just, I mean, they're going to run Josh Allen. They won't be able to stop him. Redskins and Cowboys, I think the Niners will win because those teams are just in shambles. Cardinals, I don't think the Cardinals are that good of a team. I'm with Javi. I don't think Kyler Murray is that good of a quarterback. I think he's a better athlete than he is a quarterback right now, but they're going to get him on the edge, and I'm not sure if they're going to be able to stop him. And then the Seahawks, it's like, man, you know Pete Carroll is not going to lose that game. He's he's like going to try not to lose that game because this is an ego thing for him, specifically against the 49ers. And Pete Carroll is one of those guys that he does not sit his guys. Uh, he he plays them because everything's about confidence for him, right? Pete Carroll is the most raw route coach I've ever seen in my life. And he's able to get guys <laughs> up for every single game. You will never see a Pete Carroll team not show up for a game. They may get blown out and things like that, but they will still fight. They will literally fight guys. They'll take penalties and stuff, right? So that game at the end of the season, even if Seattle has nothing to play for, they're going to show up. He's going to start people and it's going to be a dogfight because that's Pete Carroll. He, he wants confidence going into the playoffs and every little bit of confidence he can get. This is the guy that wanted to give Russell Wilson confidence. So he threw the ball from the one yard line instead of running it. This is that same guy. So to me, there are no freebies besides those two on the schedule with Washington and, and at Dallas. And that only gets you to six. So I'm, I'm looking more at six and 10, seven and nine at this point unless they can get guys healthy. And if they can get guys healthy, then who knows? Yeah, who am I kidding? It's going to be 6 and 10. <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> um, on that, game predictions for this week. What do we think? I think we see a lot of the same we saw last week. You know, it, it's, it's competitive early, and then it just the Saints come out with a, you know, a double-digit win. At, you know, 34. 34 is 20. I think the Niners can score 20. At the very least, but it's just, you know, with no Debo, no Mostert, I just don't know how you, you know, keep these, this defense, you know, on their heels, you know, Debo and Mostert, you know, kind of force these defenses to play horizontally instead of vertically. And that just, it just, you don't have those pieces out there right now. So that's, that's a concern. And it's Nick Mullins. I really don't have very much confidence in Nick Mullins. And that's, that's really what it is too. So, um, 34, 20 Saints win. So. 
I'm going to say the Saints win as well. I'm going to say it's by double digits as well. I'm going to say they're going to win 37-17. And it's very similar to, to along the same lines as you, Javi, where it will be close at the beginning. But as the game wears on, the better team t- typically takes over and, and health typically takes over and they, they show that and, and they typically win. So I think that's what's going to happen is that they'll pull away in the second half. And we may get some good building blocks from this game on, on some of these guys and see what they can do, like Cyprian and these guys. I'm a big Jonathan Cyprian guy, by the way. I, I love that transaction i think he's he's got some potential to take over that strong safety spot next year maybe but we'll see with guys like that and what they can do and richie james is going to get a shot too with trent taylor being out so i'm excited about that because to me now it's about player evals right that's that's what it's about because this year 2020 has just been such a cluster it's a weird year there's no fans in the stands so to me and and with all the injuries the niners have had essentially the season ended when bosa got his towards ACL. That's essentially when this thing went downhill. So to me, the rest of this year has been like, okay, what growth can you show? What growth can you guys see in the team and, and, and what happens going forward? So I'm less interested about the, uh, interested about the, uh, the outcome and more interested about the guys that develop. Yeah. It's going to be a shit show. I think they're going to get killed. Yeah. I think it's going to be like, like 35 <laughs> to, I don't know, like Mullins will throw for like 200 yards in the second half and make it look respectable. I think they're going to get killed this week. Like you guys said, I, without oh most or without Debo, they just don't have enough firepower to keep up. So it's probably going to get ugly. Um, I'm going to lose my last strand of sanity that I have because I've never seen a season. I've never seen this many people get hurt on one team in a season. It's just absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. So funny. Irony, I, mean, I need to drink. I guess. To, to end on a positive, Brandon Ayuk's going to be a stud. Let's just let's just all. Oh my God! Think positive. Legit number Ayuk one receiver. My guy. Yeah, oh, yes. agree. Dude's an absolute stud. Absolute stud. I think he's going to be a top five wide receiver. I think he's going to be that good. I just think he's so talented. If they get somebody to throw him the ball, got to get the quarterback <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> so all right, Javi. Before we go, oh, go ahead, Jane. On that point, I want to make a quick PSA because Javi and I have both been through this, right? So, 49ers Twitter is a funny place, right? Like you get. Like Javi and I are on opposite ends of the spectrum here on the quarterback debate. We're both getting flamed. That's the, that's the funny thing. It's like Javi's getting yeah. flamed for certain stuff, and I'm like getting flamed by other stuff. It's like, dude, you know what? Like the people that listen to this show, it's funny because like they will take our opinions as fact, right? Where in, when reality yeah. is what we see, it's not a fact. And people are debating them as if it's like, oh, it's a fact. And it's we're just sharing our opinions, right? And I mean, it's it's. Mm-hmm. At times, it's it's kind of frustrating because it's like you can't literally say anything without people saying, "Well, oh, you 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 do this or you do that." No, like we're I'm basically taking isolating something that I see and looking at it and then giving an opinion on it. It doesn't mean that there's a trend, right? Like we give objective analysis, yeah. which means that we'll point out the negative with the positive. And some people don't want to hear that. And although Javi yeah. and I have conflicting sort of views on stuff, we still equally get blamed for the same stuff. <laughs> it's just the funniest thing. <laughs> You guys so, got to call the fight. Man. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, call the fight. Call the fight. Call the fight. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I'll my favorite to... thing is, and I said this before, when people will tell me that Kyle Shanahan can scheme anyone open, and then they tell me on game day the receivers can't get open. That's why Jimmy's not doing good. That's my favorite. <laughs> like it's just, it's just, you oh, can't. It's just, it's, it's just too me. much. It is. River Craycraft but... is wide open all game Thursday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's all good. It's all good. I appreciate all the listeners, whether they want to tell me I'm an asshole or not. It's all good. So, all right, Javi, on that note, dude, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, you guys, uh, you can find me on Twitter at JavierVague underscore and then the podcast at Fourth and Gold Podcast. And then uh, we're the um, exclusive 49ers podcast for Pro Football Network. So at PFN365, you want to start doing your mock drafts that they probably got the best mock draft simulator. 
I'm not saying that because I work there, but I'm saying that because it's free and you get a whole bunch of like trade stuff. You know, you don't got to pay for that kind of stuff, unlike some other sites. So um, it's pretty legit. So if you want to check that stuff out, um, I think Matt is writing some stuff over there too. So uh, go ahead and check out everything at Pro Football Network. And you're doing other stuff over there too. Didn't you do something to James Slater or something I saw? Oh, yeah. Network? So I do, um, I do most of their digital media now. So like I run the Periscope shows with uh, Anita Marks. We do the, uh, fantasy show on thursday night football i run the draft insider show with tony pauline and um andy herman and then i do the other pfn weekly with benjamin albright so i'm I'm staying busy working with a lot of these guys insiders who you know give me a lot of really sweet information too so um it's pretty dope it's uh been a blessing man this podcast i've never expected this fourth and gold podcast to ever blow up um, and get me some recognition with a company like Pro Football Network and guys like Ben Albright and Anita Marks and those people who are, you know, working in ESPN and other places. So it's been it's been a fun ride. So yeah, they check out those shows. The one is on Tuesday nights for PFN Weekly, uh, Thursday night at seven for um, on the mark with Anita and myself. She brings on the guests like Jane Slater and and uh, this week is Michael Fabiano. He'll be on with us on Thursday, um, and then uh, me and Matt do the Sunday night. Um, or Sunday recap of the early games, uh, your, you know, the first 12 games of the day. We do that with Mike Tanier on uh, profootballnetwork.com. Zane, I just feel lazy right now after hearing that. I know, man. It's like we've done nothing <laughs> with our lives. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to pour a glass of scotch and just rethink my whole life after this, I think. I listen to Hobby. <laughs> I, I got to get my shit together. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'd, All right. Well, Hobby, this was yeah, awesome. Man. work. Yeah, you, yeah. you guys are killing it. You guys are doing great. Yeah, we'll have to have Matt on here 1.2 and you guys are. You guys have earned everything that you're getting and you we guys appreciate are doing an it. awesome job. And I, I know the fans love you. So we're happy to have you on here. We'll definitely do it again. For Zane, this is Al. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.